In the land of hobbits and harfoots, elves and ants, goblins and gadriel, dwarves and Mount Doom, there is one that rules all, the One Ring. But what came before that One Ring? Well, here at Elves, Hobbits and Potatoes, we have set our brandy bucks in the ground, and we'll bring you an episode-by-episode look at the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, brought to you by Gathering of the Geeks. I am your host, Emmett, and I'm joined by the Ted Lasso to my coach, Beard. Chris, how's it going tonight? You know, I had a Lord of the Rings type thing to say, and I just went blank. Oh, son of a bitch. Damn it. <laughs> uh, I'm good. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, let's, we'll move on. Maybe it'll, yeah, maybe it'll, on. Come to, it'll come to you at the end, maybe. Yeah, it, it probably will. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, Gathering of the Geeks is available wherever you get your podcast, and we're on YouTube. Just search Gathering of the Geeks, and you will find us. Uh, Chris, we're on episode four of Rings of Power, The Great Wave. Um, I theorized that the all the episodes are going to start with an A, um, and that wasn't the case. Uh, but anyways, the, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so The Great Wave, it's the midpoint of the season as well, which is kind of uh, a strange thing to think of. After this episode, there's only four more to go in, in the season. Um, Chris, we drop a storyline. Um, we drop the Harfoots in this episode, and we are back with uh, Durin and Elrond and back with Bronwyn and Theo, and we stick with uh, Adar and Arindir. Um Chris, what would you think about episode four, The Great Wave? I love this episode. <laughs> like, after I watched it, I was so excited to talk about it. I actually messaged mm-hmm. him, and, and I knew he was asleep, but I, you know, yeah, he, he sees it when he wakes up. It's cool. Uh, it's a great, it's a great thing to wake up to a friend being right. excited about a thing that we're doing. That's right. I was so excited to talk about this last night because the show is just exceeded my expectations in a way. Hmm. Because I, I figured I would like it, but yep. it's really good in this episode. There's, there was something about this one, particularly. Um, I don't know if we're gonna, if you want to kick it off now or or what, but let let's do it. The Adar reveal mm-hmm. really set the tone for me in a way, because mm-hmm. he comes off so he's kind of like regal in a way, mm-hmm. and very stoic. And then you see the reveal; he's an elf. Yeah, and I kind of lost my shit in my living room with that. <laughs> Like this is amazing. He's mm-hmm. an elf, and he's he's kind of like a disfigured elf. I don't know. He got some Harvey Dent's acid problems. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The I, whole I, backstory. I yeah, the whole backstory to Adar. Uh, I hope we get to see. We get to hear a mm-hmm. little bit of it when he's talking to Arindir, and he asks Arindir, you "Know where are you from?" Um, and Arindir mentions a place. So I'm not going to try and pronounce it, but he mentions. Then Adar says something about the river. And you say, oh, I was, I traveled that river when I was a kid or something. And we're like, oh, like, and you mentioned how, like, how regal he is and how a, a good of a talker he is. Yeah. And even the way he walks and the way he moves, he doesn't, he's, he obviously, he doesn't move and talk like an orc. Um, Cause he's not one. He's like, a, he's a high, he's, he's like a high born elf. And something happened saying. to him. Yeah. Something happened to him. Something he's disfigured in some way. He hates the elves. He hates, you know, he, he's on the bad side for a reason. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in, you know, he mentions he, he's got some talk about false gods, mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. He's got a lot of, uh, he's like, um, he's like Marlon Brando's character in Apocalypse Now, 
Like he's just, he's always got something to say. And like Martin Sheen is like a reindeer in this case. And, you know, I picture him like dripping water on his face and saying horror and horror and all that kind of stuff. So like, he, yeah, I like how the way he talks and how mysterious he is. Cause there's, he, there's a backstory to this guy. And I, I wonder if we're going to see it. He commanded the screen. Like when he was on, mm -hmm. you were dialed into him, his mm -hmm. speech pattern, the way, I mean, even just his dialogue, it really hit for me. Like this guy is evil and I'm mm -hmm. here for this. I like yep. it because I don't think we've seen an evil elf as, as far as I can remember. Again, yeah. I, it's been a, a little <laughs> while since I've seen the, the trilogy, mm -hmm. but I don't think there was like, like a villain elf. Mm -hmm. So, so that's interesting to me. And plus, like, like you suggested, he's probably a highborn. He's, he's mm -hmm. not just your everyday common elf. Yep. He's something a bit more um, with stature. So yeah, I, that really was a, was a cool thing, and I think it also reinforces to me that this storyline, the elf part of it, is going to be the the darker, the darker oh, yeah. stuff in this series because mm -hmm. he does not look like a friendly character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's very true, and it's interesting how you mentioned like the way uh, we've mentioned it again how he talks and everything, but he commands respect from mm -hmm. the orcs as well. Like they yeah. call him Ad, uh, Adar, which is father, I guess, in orc or mm -hmm. elvish. I'm not sure. Um, but like there's that one orc that's dying and he, he like he's like holding his hand or something and he like puts him out of his misery. It's like a mercy killer or whatever. He stabs him. Um, it's like an honor, an honor to be, you know, looked upon by Adar when you're on your deathbed or whatever. Right. And the suspense there was great, too, because I, I didn't actually know he was going to stab him. Yeah. I wasn't really expecting the mercy kill. I thought he was going to like die peacefully, like an orc does, yeah. I suppose. But, <laughs> but that's not what happened. And it was uh, oh, by the way, full spoilers, guys. We need Always. we need to remember to mention that. Always. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was a, that was a really really cool scene. I like the build up to it and just seeing his reveal. I thought was pretty special. Yeah, so he's having this conversation with uh, um, Arindir, and he lets Arindir go. And he says, "I want you to deliver him, deliver a message for me." Um, what do you think about that? I was and, and later on in the episode and coming into the further episodes after this, I'm worried that Arinder is like a Manchurian candidate now. Like he's a he's a sleeper spy hmm. in some way. Like he like because we didn't actually see this message. Arinder mentions the message to Bronwyn, I think, yeah. saying, "You know, uh, leave, give up all titles or whatever, or we'll come and get you." But we don't actually see the message. Um, I, I, and I'm, I'm hoping this isn't the case, but the first thing I thought of was like, all right, Arinder's like a secret spy now. He's been, you know, manipulated in some way or brainwashed in some way to give a real message. Because, like, you can give a message in a couple ways. You can do it by showing, you can do it by killing, or just like exactly the way he did it, just by telling a plain up message. So maybe I'm looking into it too much, Chris. How did you read that? Did you read it that it's as simple as he's delivering a message, or do you think there's something else? behind the the two of them talking and the message thing no i, I just kind of took it at face value that that's what mm -hmm. it is he scared mm -hmm. the daylights out of him like look <laughs> i already killed your friends without mercy <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i don't really care about you either i'm only letting you live to go do what i'm asking you or telling mm -hmm. you rather you're going to do yeah. this and then i'm probably going to kill you anyway that's kind of what i got <laughs> yeah it was interesting how um a little those two were in um, the episode at our mm -hmm. and Arindir. Um, we see uh, Arindir closer to the end when he saves Theo. And then we see Adar very briefly when an orc come and says, Oh, we found it. It's in the tower. Um, and, and that was it. 
So mm-hmm. it was really interesting how much he commanded the scene. I think it's Uncle Benjamin from Game of Thrones, too. Is um, it? I think that's who that is. I, I didn't look it up, but that's definitely how, how, who it looks like. Yeah, they, the I guess they, they do kind of look similar. And I, I picture, like, in uh, when you see Uncle Benjamin in the north when he saves John from the ice water, mm-hmm. and he's he's got, like, the burnt face or mangled face, and I picture <laughs> that with Adar, too, where he's got the, the mangled side of his face. Um, Could be. I, I think was... it is true. Oh, sorry. No, that's it. I think it's him. I, I was thinking if you paint him green, he looks like the Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's got that long jaw, long face. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like the Green Goblin. Um, also, he has that really cool line, um, or maybe someone tells him you're not a god, and then he says, not yet. Yeah. So clearly he's Sauron. Um, <laughs> great way, gr- great scene, though. Fantastic stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll stick to this parts where we saw Arindir, because we see him with Theo and Bronwyn. Um, so everyone's arriving to this this elf tower where we first saw them, kind of like where the elves are, I don't know, their, their base is out of or, or what have you. And they're all showing up there because they were told to leave, uh, because obviously when uh, Arindir and Bronwyn went traveling, they saw that the um, towns were all burnt to the ground and what have you. So they make, they make hay from from where they live and they're going to these towers and they get there and there's no food. You know what there, Chris, there wasn't enough potatoes. Did you see that? There the guy was put not enough four potatoes. or five. I thought of that too. Four, four or five potatoes on the ground. I get think, you know what? There's not enough, no potatoes. The title of the episode uh, of the show is justified now. Elves, <laughs> hobbits, and potatoes. That's right. <laughs> they were, they yes. look like a couple dried potatoes too. Nothing, uh, nothing that Sam and uh, Pippin and Mary would, uh, would like anything to do with. They'd probably make a delicious stew with it, though. <laughs> of course. <laughs> make a, a first first breakfast with it, maybe. Yeah. Second breakfast, <laughs> they're done. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, well, we'll get a solid first breakfast out of it. Uh, so we see Bronwyn still trying to lead here, and she's you know she's trying her best. And from these scenes with um, man, I guess, and comparative to the other scenes that we saw, some of them, the scenes of man in, in uh, Numenor, you can mm-hmm. see how weak humans are, man is, in these ones. Like, they're constantly fighting with each other. And you see later on when the food actually comes back to the tower, how they just all, you know, they're jumping and grabbing it and all, and they're not trying to ration it and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's one of the old guys that's talking to Bronwyn early on, and he says, you know, we need to ration. And he says, well, I'm not going to ration. I'm not rationing my food. Does well, um, Rick, I think. Yeah, it's just you can see the fall of man happening so quickly and it's so easily, you know, as soon as they're – their, their backs are against the wall. They just crumble and, you know, inner fighting ensues uh, on either side, whether it's the, the in the Southlands or it's in Numenor as well. And there's a mm-hmm. group of, you know, uh, um, I guess you call it like a, a mob uh, in Numenor trying to, an angry mob trying to take over it. I just, well, that was one of the things that stuck out for me was man, how weak they are. And that, that carries over from, you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy as well. Um, you know, Boromir has to sacrifice himself because he is weak and he can't get away from the ring, right? It's just a, an interesting carryover about about man in, in this in this episode. I thought that is interesting, and also when given the chance, as shown with the queen, they mm-hmm. can rise above and you know mm-hmm. be heroic. But it really depends human to human. Because then you look at Halbrand, who said, "No, I'm staying in Numenor to do nothing." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what is he just a hobo now? Yeah, I think he's just like <laughs> Numenor's first hobo. <laughs> that's like his official title, first hobo. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of the thing with with that. I think 
Um, and then you had like the angry mob who, yeah, they're, they're kind of flipping out over a single elf. Yeah. Which the chancellor kind of drives at home. Mm-hmm. And it, he, when he says makes sense, he's not just saying it for the sake of saying it. It's true. This yeah. is one elf you guys are flipping out over. <laughs> so that, that was a cool scene, too. And I like the chancellor a lot. Um, he seems pretty neat. Mm-hmm. And it was also cool to see how Bran did not kill that guy that we know of. Oh yeah, he just mashed his face in. He just yeah, he's a, just pretty bruised up, you know. Yeah, he's got a, a hamburger face. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think anybody actually died, which is surprising. <laughs> I think everybody. <laughs> I think we're all good there. Because if yep. he if he had murdered them, he he wouldn't be the hobo with me, and he'd be getting executed or something. I imagine. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's cool. Um, okay, so Theo is a character in the, in the show that instantly makes me think of you. Um, it makes me think of Alistair from Wonder Woman 1984. Um, Bastard kids. He's, he's off. He's doing a nice thing. You know, he, he wants to get some food for, for his people, whatever. He drags his friend, uh, Rowan along with him and they get into some hijinks and the orcs show up obviously and they're hiding and then he gets into more hijinks. Um, I, I get the point of it and we're laughing about it now, but you know, do we need this kind of thing where the um, a, a character gets into a, a problem? Like all he does is he, he he goes looking for food, he falls into a well, and then he stays there for at least half the time we see him. Uh, I'm not saying it's a, a negative towards the episode or anything, but I'm just wondering about this character, um, this Theo character, and you know, we, we see him and he was he's kind of a wiener. He does lots of whining. He's whining to his mom. He's whining to his friend. Um, you know, what, what do you think about what happened with Theo in this episode? I'm of two minds of the subject. On one hand, I want to say he deserved it, yeah, but, right. <laughs> but no, really though, he, he was trying to do the right thing. He was trying to help mm-hmm. their, um, I guess colony is what you want to call it now. Yeah. Their, their little group they formed. He wants to mm-hmm. help us. Like, Hey, I'll go get the food. It's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm a kid. I don't got nothing to lose. I can run faster than an orc. Mm-hmm. And I've got this sort of Sauron. I'm cool. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they go, they do their thing. And then I'm kind of surprised he didn't try to fight with the sword. Yeah, I'm not sure he knows how to use it. Like he jammed it into his, his forearm like he, like he does. Yeah, he seems to know it's a sword at least. Yeah, but and it only grows when he sticks it into his skin. I'm still not sure of the, the physical nature and how the show, how the sword thing works either. But I... I think it just kind of, it seems to feed off his blood or blood in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somehow the blood creates a flaming sword. I don't know how that works. I don't care. It's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I want to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I didn't mind that he was hiding because, I mean, he is a kid. I expected, you know, sure. That they found him, they were going to gut this guy. He was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was going to be no more Theo. Yeah. So I, I don't mind what happened to him. I do think it's kind of uh, funny that the orc spent the entire day turning over three co- like three cottages or three huts, whatever it was. Like yeah. that was their whole day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just you know, yeah. Talk about wasting time. <laughs> and then he still gets away. He still got away. Well, he almost didn't. Uh, he, he almost saw, he almost saw his end. I thought his arm got cut off. Yeah, 
I thought that uh, I think the orc's name is Venrath or was mm. Venrath. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he took his arm like a trophy, and Theo mm-hmm. was gonna like I don't know get like a blood arm from Sauron or something. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, it starts to grow. It would grow back like Beacon Frost. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. A little baby hand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would have been cool. Like my germs. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, I thought it'd been something like that, but it was not. So I, I like the way that happened. I didn't really hate Theo in this episode. He was trying to do the right thing. I, I do yeah. wonder about the sword itself. I'm very curious about that sword. Yeah, I'm curious about. So, like, Adar and his crew are looking for it. Um, they say they found it when it's in the tower. Um, I, there's he mentions a. I can't remember why I thought of this, but one of the orcs says the boss is looking for it. And he, it, it, but then he says, you'd be upset too if you lost it or the boss lost it. Did you catch that? No, but I think they do mean Adar. I think Adar, Adar was the, like, maybe the keeper of it. Okay. But then we found out later, Waldrig knew about the sword. Well, he oh. had it. And, and he, he was jabbing it into his arm too, apparently, because he's got the mark on his arm, right? Yeah, everybody seems to like uh, Sauron's heroine here. But <laughs> it, it uh, I, I, that's what I got out of that. I, I believe they meant Adar. Mm-hmm. So, what, what do you, what's your theory on this sword? And we, we talked about it a little bit. Um, it, I don't, it, it seems small also. It doesn't seem like a big giant sword. Like, even from the half, half that we've seen. So I don't know if it's a dagger or um, like I'm picturing Sauron, who's like, you know, what is he, 20 feet tall, 15 feet tall or something, <laughs> holding large. a little sword. But some of that is his helmet. Hand, right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got five feet of helmet. Yeah, he's got a pretty big helmet. So I think <laughs> he's, like, he's, like Rick, he's like Rick Moranis from Spaceballs. He's That's just exactly what I was thinking. Of. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, so what do you think this sword is and why do they think it's so important? Do they need it? For when Sauron comes back, do they need it to bring Sauron back? That's what I think. What think? I'm thinking it's one of two things, or maybe it's a combination of them. I'm thinking maybe when the sword is at its, its full potential, mm. it calls back to him, and he like rises from the dead or something like that. Kind of like right. Sanderson, sister, Sanderson sister style, light the candles, they come back. Right. Something like that. Or they need this just to present to him, like, okay, here's your power. It's back. You, know, you give him the sword, he probably slits his own wrist or something, mm-hmm. and then my arm is complete again. <laughs> That's what I'm assuming. It's one of the two things, or maybe both. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so before Theo gets back to the tower or whatever, we'll talk about that little scene when he's there, but before that, he gets saved by Arindir, Um and they kind of he helps him up, and they go running through the, the forest, and it... Another scene that it's not a negative thing, but something about the scene just felt the scene felt a little off to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the slow, the slow running with uh, and which, what's interesting is the music that's on it, and mm-hmm. with this, the, the scene that comes afterwards, the music is is Disa doing her si- singing in in uh, in Kazadun, which I thought was an interesting little um, you know crossover between right. the two scenes. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think about the slow mo scene? What do you think about Adar releasing Arindir, and then him and then him just getting almost killed? Also, like he would go and deliver a message for me, but then my orcs are going to still try and kill you. Did did that vibe with in any way? Well, yeah, because they tried to kill him because he was protecting the sword bearer or whatever you want to call Theo. Right. If he would have just stayed at the castle or not the the, um, the tower, 
Yeah. He would have been cool until they didn't move, and then he would have died anyway. But okay. um, I, I think that's why they were chasing him. It wasn't like, oh, well, you did what I, you know, it was you're protecting this child who mm-hmm. has my my thing I want. These are my <laughs> things. <laughs> I love the slow. It, this is an episode where I have zero complaints, really, so I love the mm-hmm. slow-mo scene. Yep. I thought it was beautifully shot. It mm-hmm. was very, uh, it just the way it's done, it, it because it was slow motion, it was more emotional, impactful, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. You kind of felt it a little bit more. It was very clear what was going on. You had time to take it in to see like how heroic Erendir actually is yeah. when he needs to be. And it was cool to see that. And also just the danger was kind of dialed up too because you have an army of orcs chasing an elf and a wounded kid. Yeah. <laughs> and then Bronwyn comes out of nowhere to save, you know, to help. And yep. it, it's just cool. And they when they do get to the clearing, that really cool shot when the yep. camera zooms out and you see the light and the forest is there and you know they're on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. So cool. <laughs> It made me think of uh, a prey actually when the two characters are hiding in the in the tall grass. Oh yeah, and, looking at it, and then he comes that through it. it. It felt the same way um, to me. So I like the scene too, which is something about the slow mo and um, a little bit just didn't jive. It's kind of um, Snyder. Yeah, <laughs> the one thing I did like is when it slow mos and Arendir catches the arrow in the air as it's Ooh. coming down. And he puts yes. he puts it like I love seeing the elf things. You know, I like just like we like seeing Legolas do all his, you know, skateboarding down a, 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 the stairs at Helm's Deep. Um, you know, I like seeing yeah, or, or, or jumping on the on the warg or on the the horse as they're the the wargs and the the horses are, are going to do battle. So I like seeing the elf elves doing their trickery, uh, stuff like that. So I like seeing you know catching the arrow and shooting it, and you know he never misses. You know he's absolutely a perfect shot, which is awesome. Uh, again, I, I love the character. Um, you know, much as like we were talking about how Adar is like a stoic and well-talked or well-versed, Rindir is the same way. He's very purposeful with everything that he says, mm-hmm. um, and he's just a badass overall. And I like how he only has two expressions, really. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not making fun of him. I actually like that because it's kind of, you know, elves don't usually show emotion, I think. Yeah. Like Legolas was a little different, but the other elves we've seen hardly emote, I believe. Yeah. So it's cool to see that he does that as well, and he does it really, really well. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so because we mentioned the Disa scene, uh, that the the music, her singing carries over from, uh, or actually I wanted to mention first about Theo going back to the tower and talking with that old man about kind of like the Sauron sympathizers. Yeah. Um, much like, you know, and we talked about this with man in the series, how in all of basically all Lord of the Rings, how weak they are. Um, how quick they are to side with um, the darkness, I guess it were, the you know, in this, Lord. the Dark Lord. Yeah. So, the, yeah. What what'd you say his name was? Walrog or? Waldrig, I believe. Waldrig it's, it's spelled Field? W-A-D-R-E-G. So. Got it. So Waldrig has like a conversation with Theo. And I mentioned to you how Theo is like, he seems very drained from all of this. And I mentioned to you, I thought it was like with Frodo wearing the ring, how much that drained him. Theo having this this hilt, this sword or whatever, and him sticking in his arm is draining him. And maybe that's what, you, you know, you mentioned it like it, it sucks the blood or something or takes mm-hmm. the essence from the person who's doing it. Um, and it's wearing down on 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 Theo. So, you know, Waldre has this conversation about the Dark Lord and have you heard of Sauron and stuff like that? Like, 
that was one of the interesting things about the the original trilogy is not just the orcs who fought with Sauron, but the 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 humans and the yeah. the other the other things that did the other things that aren't at the forefront. You know, not as scary and you know creepy looking as the orcs. So I like I like this idea of of two different sides of man, the weak and the dark side, and then you know we see with the Numenor stuff, the proud and the and the 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 the, the not afraid, the brave. Yeah the two sides to to it so in in this in the southlands with the wall drink thing we're seeing the 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 down and the downtrodden the evil side of man yeah and um you know you that's a good point you mentioned there's there's bad humans there's i don't think there is a good orc so you got the bad yeah. humans you got orcs now we know there's a bad elf i'm mm -hmm. wondering if there's bad dwarves We've seen some sneaky dwarves, or, <laughs> sneaky dwarves. That's for sure. Well, that's okay. But like, like <laughs> downright evil dwarves. I wonder if they exist right. too. That that's mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'm wondering now because we've seen some of Sauron's army, and I don't remember seeing them. I didn't remember seeing an el any elves either. So it's all new to mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, I I just like where in you know it, it's headed. And Arinder's back with the with with the crew again after his. His little stint there with the elves. So I wonder, there isn't much of a fight to be had here. Like, no. you know, I, I wonder if Bronwyn and, you know, Arindir, you know, Arindir gives the message. I wonder if Bronwyn and, and the crew are just going to, are just going to back down, but where are they going to go? Like, are they going to go to where the elves are? Um, I wonder what's the end game here for these two. Or are we going to assume from what we see with the Numenor stuff that, they're going to have a little bit of time before that crew comes and helps them. That's what I'm assuming that it's going to be a, a kind of a, not a time jump, but time's going to pass. Cause something that I was thinking about while watching this, we have no idea how much time is passing between the first episode yeah. and where we are now. Mm -hmm. There's like no indication of what's going like how much, how many days or what. Right. It could be a week. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I would assume that if a battle, if it comes to a battle between orcs and the humans, just as they're, you know, at, at their last last guy with a sword, the orcs mm -hmm. about to decapitate him. Then you see this army of men from Numenor. Right. <laughs> That's my guess. Yeah, the, yeah. The only the sense of timing I got with this episode was the 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 building of the forge. That, that that's what threw me off. The quick scene with Elrond and, and um, with uh, with his with his friend there, and it's like a quarter built, I think. You know mm -hmm. who, who long who knows how long that takes. Um, like I guess they do have the dwarven you know craftsmanship and the elf, uh, elven and dwarven craftsmanship working together. So who knows how long it takes? And Odisa kind of says something when she's lying to Elrond about where Durin is, where he goes to the uh, the quartz mines, where it takes a couple of days, but a, a good skilled climber or dwarf can do it in a couple hours. So I don't know if she's lying about the 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 travel time for dwarves or it was just blended in there. But yeah, I agree about the time thing. You don't really know. Um, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. It just is. Um, yeah, I don't really know. What do you think about I wouldn't about mind the some clarification. Mm -hmm. Just because the towers would really threw me. If they didn't show the mm -hmm. tower, I would say, "Oh, it's been like a week or so, whatever." It's been a couple yeah, days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like when they introduced the idea of the tower, there's nothing built as far as we know. Mm -hmm. It's it's a blueprint, right? And then we know, you know, that they go and they have that chit chat. They become friends again. Yeah. And suddenly the thing is half built or quarter built. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> not picking on it. I'm just curious. I just want to yeah. know how much time has passed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's stick with the the dwarves and Elrond. Um, you know, and and we're gonna. I want to talk about this a little bit at the end. Um, about but the stuff with Elrond and Durin. You know, it that they're all of their scenes and the the the, the scenes with elves talking about dwarves and dwarves dwarves talking about elves. It's about lies. Mm -hmm. um, Elrond, you know, you're gonna help me help me with this. Killabimbor, Killabimbor, what the hell? Killabimbor, Killabimbor thinks Durin is lying about something. Mm -hmm. Durin's father thinks they, the elves, are lying about something. Um, so Elrond gets sent back to the um, back to the Khazadun to find out what's happening, going on, and you know we find out. Um, well, eventually we find out that they're mining something, something mm -hmm. secretive. Um, something that Durin's father, the king, isn't totally uh, uh, doesn't totally approve of, um, and we find out why, uh, because he says it's perilous to mine. And what we eventually we find out what it is. It's it's mithril, which is a really cool thing because the only time that I remember seeing mithril is just the chainmail that mm -hmm. um, Frodo or um, Bilbo gives to Frodo. Um, I assume that there is more things that are mithril. Um, I'm interested about, again, about this, this idea about lies, about the dwarves mining something, and the only time that I saw it, the elves had it. Um, so I'm interested about the, the lying between the two and how this mithril is going to tear. I, I'm, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm so worried about Durin and Elrond. And I am too. Like, I oh like my God. Friendship. Yeah, like, it, it's just, in, it, again, it's jumping a little bit ahead here, but Durin gives Elrond the, the, the mithril. Mm -hmm. And he says, Durin says, I'll give it to you for a token of our friendship. But then the glick they give each other, Elrond's like, you're not giving this for friendship. You're giving this as a test. That if I take this, I'm not going to say something. I'm, you know, the look in their face is like, Durin's like, here, take this as a token of friendship. And Elrond's like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> and I'm just like, because he, he says it over, like he puts his hand to the rock, you know, I, I swear and swear and swear. But obviously... Obviously, because we've seen this mithril in not dwarves' hands, that it gets out somehow. So, like again, their their relationship is not going to end well. Uh, they're going to be fighting, and I'm going to be sad about the reference to it. I don't know. I disagree about that. I don't think they're going to be okay. fighting. It's going to end badly. What I think is going to happen is his father, um, King Durin, and uh, you know the other guy. <laughs> Celebrimbor, Calibrimbor, I think yeah. they're going to butt heads is what's going to okay. happen. Or they're yeah. going to keep pushing those two to have mm -hmm. a conflict and they have to work together somehow. That's my mm -hmm. sub I don't know. But I, I also hope that their friendship stays intact because they're fun. I like oh, them. It's, it's so fun. Like in the right when the serious stuff all happens and like the mind collapses and Durin comes in and, you know, he says, oh, we got the last guy out and they kind of hash everything out. And then Deese is like, you know, I want to ask you about something. I yeah. want to ask you about the first time you two met. And just the back and forth. It's It only lasts like 10 seconds. It's but good. Th that little small scene is so good about, you know, and that happens all the time. Like two friends tell one story differently to make, mm -hmm. you know, whatever um, side uh, look better. It, I just, the, the the back and forth between the dwarves that we've seen so far, specifically during Disa and the elves with Elrond, it's just so strong. And that's why I'm so worried about them, just because I care about them so much in just these little scenes. Well, also, I don't think that it's Durin and Elrond that, that do not trust each other. I think that's another yeah, thing. Well, well, it's true. And that's they, they, did, they did their swearing oath thing. 
Yeah, I don't think it's them. It's Duran's father and Elrond's uh, Elrond's friend for sure. Like I took when Duran said, "I will," you know, "I do think something else is there," or whatever mm -hmm. he said, however he put it. I I took that as he means the other elves, not Elrond. That makes sense. I think he he believes what Elrond is telling him, and Elrond, I mean, Elrond sees that Duran's a little sneakier, but he knows yeah. it's his friend, and it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, another thing that I like about the uh, the dwarves is their their way of saying things. Disa says some really fun, funny things in this episode. Is, um, lying to a, a, a dwarf in her own house, that's a recipe for strong gravy. I love that. <laughs> and then um, when the other one, Duran says, a uh, you're so good you can make a water rat to wear a mink coat. I uh, just like the way they were saying things. I just, oh man, that made me smile. And it made me, like, and, and it's something that we we're missing in this episode. I thought with the, the Harfoots not in it was mm -hmm. something of, of a little bit it's of levity. levity. And yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think the dwarves really, uh, really helped with the levity in this episode. I just want to have, I just want more conversation between dwarves. Just yeah. So we get some more metaphors and stuff. They're, they're wonderful. <laughs> they're, they're wonderful. Also, yeah. I really like the character of Disa. Same. I think the the character is really well written. I like the actress playing her. Her and Dern are great together. And we haven't seen the kids yet, which I think is kind of interesting. Maybe they don't know how to do dwarf kids. Yeah, like, that could be it. Yeah, like I, I can you have just a regular kid, or does it have to be a little person? Like I, I I'm not sure how they. Maybe they don't know how to get around it somehow. Technically speaking. Maybe I'm not really sure, but I would like to see the kids. I think yeah, well, <laughs> I, I want to see their whole family dynamic. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> the little bits we see are great. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that caught my eye from the 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 mining was how Duran's father says it's perilous. Um, you know, and it ends up being perilous. Like they're mining and it collapses. Um, and I think they I think they mentioned it where it was mirror mirror. Mirror, mirror, I think it is, where they're mining. And I think it was mentioned in, in Fellowship of the Ring about a certain time when they go in to the mines of Moria and what happens when they get there because they dug too deep mm -hmm. uh, and the Balrog uh, shows up. So I'm wondering, like, are we getting the Balrog in this in this season? Is this the moment of the Balrog? I'm not sure of the, the Balrog, Balrog lineage, you know, how old it is. But they're mining. They're mining this Mithril stuff. Um, I'm going to assume that they're going to keep mining it against the, the king's wishes um, because I think this they're going to I think they're obviously going to find out this mithril stuff when it does get out into other people's uh, hands and they know about it that they're going to keep digging. So uh, I also wonder if the dwarves are going to willingly dig more of this mithril or they're going to be forced to dig this mithril and then thus releasing the Balrog. So I, that that got me really excited thinking about the show having the Balrog in it. I would love to see a Balrog in this. Yeah. <laughs> I saw some fan theories talking about the Balrog and how mm. uh, something to do with the meteor or the star man. Oh, yeah. Has some, could have something to do with Balrogs, too. Mm. I forgot the exact theory. It was kind of complicated. But <laughs> it, it went into the full lore. I was like, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to follow up. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it'd be cool to see some Balrogs or just some other creeps. We saw the Snow Troll, which was really neat. Yep. I'd like to see some other creatures, too. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, uh, who doesn't want to see the dwarves fight a Balrog? Oh, man. Like, is, it like a baby, is it like a baby Balrog? Is it full-grown? You know, like, 
Is it just all of what a sudden? It, just, what if it is, it is baby? They got to kill it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Here. I don't know about and, that. And how? And how do they fight it? You know. I, I, that's They're pretty spry from what we've seen, so I think they'll yeah. be okay. <laughs> that's true. Um, so you mentioned you like the Disa character, and the, and the big scene with her is obviously this like ceremony that she's doing, singing. Mm-hmm. I forget what she called it, like singing at the rocks or. Singing I think it was the, singing to the rocks to make them uh, saw loose or something. So uh, I thought that was really interesting, but there was a scene where they focused on her hand. She's got her hands up in the air, and she's got mm-hmm. the her bracelets around her. Did you see her hand? No, I didn't. Okay, make it looks it looks scabbed in some way. I and it, maybe it's just me again, but they just focused on it a little too much. Like calluses? Like, yeah, like calluses. So maybe she's it's just it's because she's you know a maybe dwarf she's and playing she's the guitar. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like on the the entire side of her hand. I wonder. Um, wonder what that was about. I'm maybe sure, I'm not sure what it was. Maybe it's just me, but I'm gonna have to. I, I might just do a, a rewatch of that scene just to see what it was. I it just thought it was weird that they focused on her hand. Yeah, it could be a dwarf thing. Because it, it goes from the, the, the hand and then it goes right to Elrond looking at the rock where the like the sand is like vibrating off the mm-hmm. off the rocks or in some way. So, so I'm, I'm not sure. It could be I'm just wondering if you if you had noticed that. No, I did notice it's kind of funny how they put Elrond in the background with the elves. Yeah, he just stands out. <laughs> yeah, he's so he's so tall. <laughs> he's so tall amongst them, and he's the only one that they let in there. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really interesting. He's the only elf they trust. Mm-hmm. The other guys never step foot in there, and they won't let him. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's so interesting that we're a thousand years before the Lord of the Rings, and there's still a backstory to this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's still a backstory of the twenty years that you know, or the the old times of Prince Durin and Elrond of of the time, like they're saying, like the first time we met. It's so yeah. interesting how that works. <laughs> it's just there's always more. <laughs> yeah, there's always more, <laughs> like a, 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 a Prince Durin and Elrond spinoff. You know, <laughs> I, I want to see me, that. Let's do give, it. Yeah, give me six episodes of that. <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting what happens with Durin. He's he's leaving uh, Kazadun to go to I forget what they called it, Tolian or I can't remember where they're building the forge anyway. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting having Durin out of the uh, out of out of his comfort zone and and not around his uh, his his dwarven dwarven folk. Um, so that'll be interesting going forward to see um, more of that relationship. Because again, that that was that was probably my favorite parts of the episodes. This episode was the oh, yeah? was the Kazadun stuff. Yeah, I, I just again the levity of it, but. Just the way it makes like friends talking, like <laughs> it's it's so simple. Elrond talking to Lisa is so simple. Yeah, we're the you know three best friends that anyone ever had. Which like right. I like to say, it's just so good. <laughs> Time has clearly progressed though, because Disa is comfortable with Elrond and vice versa. Yep. Time has passed. Yeah, they are all like they're a friends unit now. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be interesting if you know. Uh, just thinking about it, if Disa is goes with Durin or if she stays behind with the kids, I assume. I, I, yeah, I just, just to be with the kids. It's just interesting how they're, they're working these storylines, people, characters coming in and coming out and uh, new characters added um, characters, you know, the storylines drop for, for one episode. Um, it's just interesting how they're working it all around. Um, you know, like I said, we're at the, the halfway point of the season, how they're working in all the characters. Um, yeah. So let's, Let's jump to uh, to Numenor um, with Gladriel and her purpose. 
That's what she's got is purpose. And that, that was the, the one thing that I wrote. Well, that's the one thing I wrote about. So the, the dwarves, I, I felt like their, the, their scenes were about lies. Mm. Um, and the stuff on Numenor, I felt was about purpose. Gladriel's purpose. Mm. Queen Regent and her purpose. The sealed door getting called to a purpose. Oh, a um, seal. You crazy little guy. <laughs> um, so what do you think about the, you know, the Gladriel stuff? And, you know, again, her purpose of not accepting no for an answer. You know, she wants this army. She wants the, 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 the people who fought against Morgoth before to fight again for Sauron. What do you think about uh, Gladriel in this episode? Well, you know, I mentioned earlier how I like the way Erendir, or, yeah, Erendir, the way he doesn't really show emotion, neither does she. She's and, got one emotion. It's angry most of the right. time. Right, <laughs> and, and I like the way it's so focused. Like, she's yeah. not taking shit from anybody. No. I love it. <laughs> and it's like she tried to be nicer and it didn't work so like you know yeah. what i'm going mm -hmm. for the throat where's your yeah. father yeah well yeah it's interesting hallbrand telling her that too yeah i i thought that was their dynamic is is great i think but i, I guess they're gonna be separated for a while while yeah. he's hoboing around but <laughs> her stuff was really good i thought it was interesting the way her character is handled and the things she's doing, the way she speaks to this queen though is amazing. Like she doesn't yeah. care. Nope. You are a human. You are beneath me. You either work with me or we're done. <laughs> Even like they gave her, you can go home now. No, I'm putting your soldiers in a cell. I'm going to do my business. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. And then just a conversation between her and the queen, um, you know, each time they meet, I feel like their relationship gets a little bit further out like yeah. in, in, into a friendlier territory. Mm -hmm. And their dialogue between them is so specific in a way. Yeah. Because you have a queen who speaks a certain way, speaking to this elf who believes she is above all. Oh, yes. So I, I like their interactions and the chemistry between the two actresses. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very well done, in my opinion. Yeah, I like the I like the 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 queen queen region character. Um, mm -hmm. I forget what her name is. Um, I think it starts with an M. It does, but it's Marianne. I can't remember. No, that's too um, simple. Yeah, <laughs> ain't, ain't that the truth? <laughs> um, yeah, her her, the, her father being sick, and you know she's trying to do what she thinks is right, but she's got this the fate of of Numenor. She's the one that knows. Mm -hmm. you know, how it ends for Numenor, um, which I thought was a very interesting way to start the episode as well. Yeah. Um, with, you know, not a very good scene. You know, there's babies here and they show us babies. And obviously all of Numenor dies, but we see right here, like she's got babies around her. And if you if you don't see it, you don't think of babies dying, but because they're showing us like... Well, I don't think people want to think of babies dying. Well, that's what I mean. They don't, yeah. they, we don't want to think that, but they're showing it to us. They're showing... These are the real people. Of, of, of Numenor is, is not um, not very good. Um, Were you surprised that it was a dream? Because, like, the way it unfolded and then it showed her sleep, I was like, oh, okay. Because I thought that was really happening. Well, in the, most of the time with dream sequences, there's something that pulls you out of it where you say, oh, something's not right here. Mm -hmm. Like, there's usually, you know, somebody... I, I, I know in... Um, I always think of the dream sequences in uh, Bringing Out the Dead that they're filmed mm. backwards. Yeah. So they're, they're making weird movements and stuff like that. So uh, there was nothing about that that felt dreamlike. It felt real. And and that's more or less it because it, it it's not a dream because she has the um, the, the blue orb thing or whatever. 
or what do you call it? The um, the plantis Pal- or palantine. Palantini. The palantini or palantrini. The ball. The ball that Saruman has one. Saruman, he had one. That's right. And Gandalf gave him shit for using it. Yes. Um, So it's 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 not. It's more or less not a dream. It's actual a vision. So I guess she. They showed it to us. Her, she was dreaming at it, but she's dreaming of something she's already seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like seeing the again. There was um, the, the, every episode so far we've seen. They're showing us something that we've already seen before. If you've watched something from Lord of the Rings, <laughs> this episode we got the Mithril and then this this Palantrini thing, um, and the the idea that you know <laughs> Gladriel thinks she's all tough. You know I touched one before. Don't tell me what to do. And then she touches it and you she have sees not the seen what I have seen. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like, uh, well, seriously, lady, you haven't seen this. Um, so she sees it and she pulls off right away because she's so you know uh, shocked at what she saw. So I like seeing the the thing and I like seeing it in a different way too. Like it's got the as soon as she puts her hand on, it kind of shards away. Um, yeah, different way to present it. The, I, th- I think the only time that we see it, we see it with Sauron, and then Pippin has it in Return of the King, and he kind of picks it up and he's mm. shaking it and losing his mind and all that kind of stuff. So I like the way we saw you feel like a magic eight ball thing, <laughs> trying to shake it. Wasn't giving him the answer that he wanted. Right. No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so what do you think about seeing the 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 blue orb and the vision and and everything like that? Loved it. I so I know some people are picking on the familiar familiar stuff that we're seeing because it makes it feel like the the movies and these are like direct links, like you have right. to watch them together mm-hmm. instead of it being its own thing. Mm-hmm. But I actually don't mind that because I see these little things and I'm like, hey, I know what that is. I remember that, mm-hmm. and it adds to the experience for me. So I like that. And seeing the um, it's a crystal ball. Seeing the crystal ball deal was cool to me. I liked mm-hmm. the scene. The way it was, you know, you have not, she really was, you have not seen what I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> like the queen was, that's what her position on it was. And then Gladriel seeing it and then willingly agreeing to leave after that. Yeah. Like she saw like, okay, have a good one. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> right. Your problem now. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I thought that was, a great switch because mm-hmm. <laughs> she just realized, okay, I'm going to cause harm here. I got to go. Even mm-hmm. though she even says before that they can prevent what you see in these things. Yes. She just, no, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to be responsible for this. No elf will destroy Numenir basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked how everything played after that scene too. When, you know, Gladriel says she's going off and they put her on the boat and the way she goes, um, and then the leaves start to fall from the tree. Um, and Such a good visual, she, too. She, yeah, oh, so good. And, 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 and even the visuals from, like, the dream sequence, where it's over the head and it's got the Queen Regent walking. Mm-hmm. And then on the vice versa, it's got Gladriel doing the exact same walk with the exact same camera, camera angle. I thought it was, I shot I thought that was shot perfectly and yeah like the 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 trees like raining or snowing down the the petals and the the queen regency's oh the the fate is sooner than I thought maybe is that what she's thinking it's here a lot quicker than it, it I came and the decision that I've made about Gladriel leaving isn't changing the fate mm-hmm. of what's to come so I should do the right thing I guess is what she was thinking I think though the right thing is to help also someone else in the episode mentioned this the flaming star man i forgot oh really 
Yeah, I forgot who it was, but they mentioned the the Starman. Oh, I missed that. Not not the man himself, but the 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 falling star. They mentioned it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot who it was, but yeah, I think she saw the the tree doing that. I was like, oh, okay. I made a mistake. I might have made a mistake here. Mm-hmm. I I had the chance to maybe prevent or maybe just help, and I said no. Yeah, so I, I like seeing that. I like seeing the switch. I like seeing Gladriel kind of take off her, her hood at the end and kind of walk in like a boss saying, like, I told you so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, conversely to that, when they're asking for people to sign up, you know, we see it earlier in the episode where Isildur and his mates are, you know, doing their training or whatever to, to join the Navy. And we've seen that Isildur doesn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, and he keeps looking at Middle Earth. He can see it from his ship and it's calling to him um, like the ring does. Um, for, for, for my instances in talking, is it actually calling to him? Is he hearing it or is this for us? Well, there is no ring yet. That's what I mean. So what it, oh. is, is he actually being called to or is it just for us to hear that? I think he's actually being called to it, but by what I don't really know because there is yeah. no ring. Right. So what would be calling him? I don't. I was thinking maybe it's like a Morgoth kind of thing, but we don't know enough about Morgoth to know if that's possible. Also, why would they pick Isildur? Right. Yeah. Unless they have visions or something, you know, hey, this guy's going to bring about the possible end. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to drown in the river. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they chomp with some arrows in his back. Right. (laughs) Um, So the the Isildur... The Isildur character from last episode, um, you know, we, we see his name, we hear his name, and we see that he wants to do something different. But this one was something where, you know, he makes the choice, and he makes a wrong choice. But in the end, it's the right choice. So, you know, we're talking about purpose and about fate for Numenor. You know, Isildur's fate is tied pretty heavily to his choices that he makes mm-hmm. uh, for his friends. And, you know, I'm really starting to dig the Isildur character. And like you just said, I'm wondering why Isildur. Like, what is yeah. it about him that the, the thing or whoever's calling about him wants? Um, I, I mean, I'm interested to, to know why. And I'm interested to see where it goes. Like, he's still very young here. And from what I remember from the prologue for Lord of the Rings, he's about as old as his father is now, maybe. So, like, he's got 15, 20 years to go before he's that sealed or before that war happens. Um, so I wonder yeah. what's happening. You know, you know what's how, how how is he involved in the fighting of or the journey between now and before Sauron arrives? Like I'm wondering what's what's the happening here. And also, how does Halbrand factor into that? Because Halbrand is the royal lineage. You know, he's the yeah. he's the royal there, but he's doesn't want it like Aragorn. Right. So right. So how does that work? Because we know what happens with Isildur, mm-hmm. of course. So how do, just yeah. how does that work? I know there's yeah, a lot of time he, in between, and uh, I'm just curious. Yeah, like how does he become the leader of of right. Gondor and of man? Like if 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 Halbrand is that, would he have to name Isildur his heir yeah, is, somehow? Is Halbrand even going to be involved in that? Does Halbrand die before something happens, and Isildur is just like, "Hey, I could do it." Yeah, yeah, they have they have a vote, <laughs> or maybe the queen appoints him. Somehow? Maybe yeah. Even though she has no um, authority in Middle Earth that we know of, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it, it would appear that a, a stumbling fool who can't tie a knot or decides to not tie a decides knot decides not to yeah. is is eventually going to stand up at some point and 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 re, and you know realize his purpose is to be a leader. 
because mm-hmm. he's not one. He's not one now. Like he, he. I, I was expecting when uh, his father is calling out for volunteers, him to be the first one to stand up and be like, "I'll do That's it." I thought too. But it was it was his friends who who were the first ones to do it. So again, he's not even the leader to his friends in a way. He he's still following along, looking for something else, but he's not leading to to the end in in a way. Yeah, I'm getting he's a bit of a dreamer, I suppose. Yeah. And I'm not really sure how his sister factors into this, because I think we both thought Arian was going to be part of, like, the Forge building. Yeah, she's still talking about plans and being an architect in some way. She's just kind of bumbling around the whole episode, looking at people and getting hit on by a weird guy. Right. If I I said I didn't have a complaint, but if I have a nitpick, what was her purpose in this episode? Yeah, or the guy that was talking to her. Uh, yeah, the like, chancellor's, chancellor's son. Even when the chancellor was doing his speech, we kept cutting back to her for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's like, what? what is this for? What is she for? Mm-hmm. So I, maybe we'll get some more information or see her do something in the next episode. Or maybe she's yeah. part of what gets Isildur going. Yeah, and may, maybe we'll see, like, we're assuming that Hallbrand stays. We're assuming that she stays, but maybe they don't stay. Maybe they sneak onto a ship or yeah maybe, like a, uh, yeah maybe i don't know i don't know how much of numenor we see um once everyone leaves to go to middle earth or if the the fate of numenor is going to be off screen more or less um like are we going to see the fall of numenor in this first season i have no idea but are we going to see a battle on numenor so in some way with these people who are left on it or i don't know what if Numenor falls and the queen is now the queen of Middle-earth? And that's yeah. how Isildur gets appointed. Yeah, maybe. That would make that sense. That could be something. Yeah. Because yeah, we, we know it looks like Elendil's taken his family on a, on a vacation to Middle-earth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> National Lampoon's Middle-earth vacation. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Gladriel, uh, she's, got his, she's got her army. She, she's seemingly looking like she's headed back to middle earth to join the fight in the Southlands. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything else we didn't miss on story wise. Uh, anything you had Chris for story wise that we might've missed on or character beats that we might've missed. No, the, you know, the main character beats for me was Adar at the start. I, like I said, I love that scene. That was so cool. Mm -hmm. And we did touch on it, but the idea of Waldrig, um, I think that was his name. Being mm-hmm. a follow of Sauron is kind of fascinating in a way because mm-hmm. to go back to this, we we are told that the humans were part of the problem from the first episode. Yeah, the Southland people. Right, right. the Southland people just said, "Hey, you know what? We we just want to align with this this devil guy." Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, and so you have Waldrick who is older and he's seen the carnage that happened mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And now I'm kind of wondering, well, was he given the sword for safekeeping until Sauron yeah. could come back? Right. Was that why the orcs were digging, looking for the sword or, you know, in addition to, to that, it, it just kind of, I think that opens up a whole new character door, if you will. Mm. Yeah. Because now we know he's probably one of others in that community yes. who likely supports Sauron and might look at Theo as their guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because yeah. Walter didn't try to take the sword from him. 
that's what I was wondering too when he was talking to him and like he he accepted that he doesn't have it now and mm-hmm. somebody else has it now and I I guess it, it it it's like the ring only one person can bear it at one time yeah maybe um, so it it's maybe feels... it's connected because of the the blood thing well and in the and the ones on Waldrig it's healed or not healed mm-hmm. but it's it's scabbed over it's not a fresh wound so it was it's not like he was jabbing himself um every night like a, like an addict or whatever um so yeah it, it is interesting and that's that again the big takeaway i took from this one was about the, the the dark side of man and i didn't think about like it could be half it could be three quarters of the people in that tower yeah. may not be on the side of uh, arindir bor uh bronwyn and, and theo so you know arindir may may say like we need to get out of here and you know half the people may say no i don't want to like um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not scared of the orcs because I'm not afraid of what they're doing, and I, I agree with what they're trying to do and all that kind of stuff. So, like they're going to be like uh, in in the lion's den. It feels like at, at a certain point, and yeah. with no one, nowhere left to turn. And like you said, they could be on their last their last sword. There, you know, it could be one guy left. Could be Aaron Aaron Deer left, and you know, then Gladriel and and her crew could show up and and save the day. But until that point, it, it doesn't appear that. And as we've said before, the Aaron Deer stuff is not the happy stuff. It's it's the violent Not stuff. Yet. It's the stuff. Where, yeah, it's the stuff where the people are dying uh, in, in bloody ways. So it is going to be interesting to see how how he, he how they um, track this the, the bad side of man who are, are looking for Sauron to come back in a strong strong way. We don't even know if Theo is is really good either. No, that's exactly because well, he's a he's a jerk and he he, he goes against the rules. Well, yeah. Like he could have listened to his mother and said, "No, okay, mom, that sounds good." And then he, when they get there, Rowan says, "No, we can't do this. Let's go." And he says, "No, no, we're going to do it." And then, then, then they get the food, and Rowan says, "Let's go, let's go." And Theo says, "No, I'm going to go back and get some more." Well, so that I can't fault him for. I'm just saying he's going against the the rules. He's he's yeah. not he's not a you know he's not a just a do gooder. So he's got a he's got that little bit of a rebellious side to him. So again, who knows if him sticking this thing in his arm is turning him in a certain way? I thought mm-hmm. it I thought it looked like it was dragging him down. He looked tired. Obviously, well, he, he did tired get cut in the leg too. Yeah, he and he spent the afternoon in a well. So I get that he could be tired. Um, it's just something. It's something about it where I feel like this thing isn't isn't going to do good for him. He, you know, weirdly enough, he was even like collapsed in the corner on the ground instead of being anywhere yeah. else in that community, which I thought was odd when I watched it. It was like, well, yeah, he, he and he brought he brought back the food. Uh, he was the one who championed it, and then he's just slunkered in the corner. Yeah, like literally in a corner somewhere <laughs> behind a barrel, if I remember correctly. Yeah, <laughs> one so step away from a one step up from a wino throwing up in the corner or something. Maybe you know. <laughs> so it, I'm, you know, it's interesting to see. Maybe Theo might not be good. Also, he's an impressionable young kid, clearly, and he doesn't yeah. seem to like the elves. Mm-hmm. He seems annoyed by the elves. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and then that was the other thing uh, that we're, they've been telling us for a lot of these episodes is the distance between elves and man, mm-hmm. the distance between elves and, and dwarves. Um, you know, and, and as we see in the fellowship, that's the whole idea is they come together and, you know, you have my axe, you have my bow and all that stuff. But we haven't, we don't, we're not at that point yet. No, um, and even in, in the prologue, that was, that was the whole thing. We all come together and fight. But we're not at that point yet. We're still they're still miles and miles apart in their feelings about each other. So it's it's interesting to see them uh, come together. But then, in, in, like in the dwarven and the elven thing, where they don't 
trust each other as well. Mm -hmm. I like I, I like the dynamic between all the the races trying to get along or trying to coexist. I like that too. I think it it, it just adds to it. If everybody were friends from the start, you wouldn't have these fun interactions. That's right. Or we can you know make wild theories about stuff. <laughs> wild, wild, crazy theories. Yeah. Um, so you said you like this episode. So this is the first one where we haven't got the Harfoots. Any, obviously, I think we both missed the Harfoots because we like yeah. them. But any, any, you know, misgivings about not having them part of the episode? No, I think that this episode was paced incredibly well. I think. I think this is the longest one too. I believe it was, and it didn't feel yeah, so, like it. <laughs> no, it didn't. Not at all. It was paced so well. I didn't miss them. Oh, I missed them, but. I didn't mind that they were gone because I liked what we were seeing on screen. That's what in four episodes, it's something I think the show has done superbly is, you know, move these characters in and out when they're needed. Yeah. You know, we could let the Harfoots rest for an episode while we get to this other stuff, because if we had them, we wouldn't have had so much of this other stuff. Or if we did, it would have been crammed together. We would have been complaining. <laughs> so I like that Amazon realized, Hey, we have, it's eight episodes. We have eight episodes, yep. guys. Spread it out. Make it work. Don't worry about rushing. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't. I missed them, but I didn't mind that they weren't there. Yep, I agree with you. Um, I, I, it was just. I think it was the last episode where we didn't get the the Durin stuff. So I think yeah. again, they they used the the Dwarven stuff as the levity, much like the Harfoots are used mm -hmm. in that way as well. Um, yeah, one of the things I had written down about this episode was purpose. And lies. People have a purpose. They think they have a purpose. They want a purpose. And people lie about things that they care about and want to protect um, as well. I thought that this was one of the ones that I really focused on in in the four episodes. And I really feel like the 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 meaning and the 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 ideas between the between the ideas of the characters and their motivations are really starting to 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 come out. Um, as we build towards more of eventual some kind of battle or some kind of uh, climax or of, of some point. So I, again, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, again, I, there was nothing wrong with it. I agree with you. It's just more of a little nitpick things. Um, but overall, another outstanding episode. And I, I mentioned the time. I'm, I'm overly surprised every episode when I turn it on. It says it's over an hour long. Um, like we're going to get through these eight episodes and we're going to have upwards of nine hours worth of, of content probably, which is mm -hmm. crazy to think. And um, it's another great looking episode as well. It doesn't overstay. It's welcome with overt CGI. It just shows us beautiful landscapes. Um, I, we didn't get too much of creatures. I think we saw a little bit of a warg. Um, a little bit. A little bit they of a kept warg. That but, this <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. They hit him behind a cage. Mm -hmm. um, so we didn't get to see much of him. So again, uh, uh a great episode, great, great, uh, great middle point of the season as well, which is an interesting thing. You know, I, I think about it as like a penultimate episode where Gladriel gets her army, and then mm -hmm. the next episode is them going towards the fight. But there's still four more to go. There's still a fight somewhere to be had. There's still more to build, um, more time to pass apparently as well. This shit is about to hit the fan. I believe <laughs> eventually it's going to have to. I assume. I yes. Think so. <laughs> All right, Chris, let's uh, let's get on out of here. Uh, hit us up with uh, where people can catch you. Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at thatchris70. But as always, I prefer you follow the show on Twitter at G of the Geeks. Uh, M is better with the YouTube uh, plugs and whatnot. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Emmett Davis Seven. But like Chris said, just uh, search Gathering of the Geeks wherever you get your podcasts and wherever you can find us on YouTube as well. Just search Gathering of the Geeks and you will find us. Uh, thanks so much, guys. We'll look forward to talking to you next episode for episode five. And saying all that, uh, for Chris and I, Mamet, and we gather on Sundays. That's a recipe for some strong gravy. <laughs>